I'm Alex Melia, and this is Our Voices, a stage for real people to tell the real stories we never get to hear. In today's episode, you'll hear a story of how to use your sideline supporters as your greatest asset, and how everyone has trip-ups before crossing the finish line. If you're going to win a medal, all four athletes have got to perform at their best possible shape on that day. This is Gary Cook, former British track and field athlete who competed in the 1984 Olympics in the 4x400m relay, where he won a silver medal. He's also husband to fellow Olympic medalist, previous record holder, and guest on this podcast, Cathy Smallwood-Cook. They have three children and live in Walsall. Although they're not children anymore, I should say, they've, they've all fled the nest and recently been told that we're going to become grandparents in October for our first grandchild. So, exciting times. Gary believes that the road to his success is down to a number of people behind the scenes spurring him on, from the caretaker at his primary school encouraging him to play football, to his PE teacher taking him down to the athletics club for the first time. I was slotted in with a junior middle distance coach rather than the senior one, and the object was you'd progress to the senior coach. And I felt he was doing such a good job that I stayed with him all the way through my athletics career. We had a great relationship. He put in the hours for me. He had no financial reward like the coaches maybe of today. It was all voluntary. 90% of my success was down to him, really. An extremely modest statement from Gary, but he truly was fortunate to meet his coach, Tony Saunders, as his style perfectly matched how Gary wanted to train. He wasn't a shouter, you know, you'd get some coaches on the, the sideline shouting from one end of the track to the other. But it'd always give you a, you know, a little pat on the back and say, well done. And, you know, it always make sure that if you did a good session, it'd it let you know. If you did underperform on the night, he'd say it in his own quiet way without ranting and raving and saying, you should have done this, you should have done that. And he had a lot of times to say that, in, particularly races where I underperformed in. But no, he's a very, you know, modest, very humble coach. And it was qualities that I wanted in a coach. And I, I was happy to stay there with him. They were also qualities that Gary would go on to adopt as his own teaching style when he taught PE later in his career. Tony had subtle ways of pushing Gary to achieve his best. We'd plan the, the month's training schedule. He might say, oh, it's a high intensity interval session, but he wouldn't tell me exactly what it was until the night so whether that would just freak me out knowing I'd got to do sort of four you know really tough 400 meter runs. It started to become clear that these sessions with Tony were working out for Gary. As I progressed particularly as I got to junior international level and senior international level although I was classed with the junior coach I was outperforming the senior athletes that got the senior coach. Tony wasn't Gary's only sideline supporter. The main influence, I suppose, with any successful athlete is the, you know, your parents. If it wasn't for my parents being so supportive and providing transport to and from the athletics club, because it wasn't a local club, it wasn't on the doorstep, perhaps, you know, that opportunity would have been missed. My dad used to pick me up from school, take me to the athletics club in midweek, to the stadium and stay in the stand and then take me home, you know, so we'd be getting home at sort of half eight and nine o'clock. And that was sort of two nights a week, plus a Sunday morning. This was a big commitment, especially in the winter months, where the closest indoor track was on the other side of Wolverhampton, 
an incredibly tough commute for him. One of my big competitors at the time, Seb Coe, his father actually got involved in the coaching of Seb and had a huge influence actually on what races he ran and what sessions he did. My dad took a back seat really. He was really interested in, in what I did. But once he got to the actual track, he was happy to sit in the stand with a cup of tea and, and just watch. Little did he know, throughout the whole of Gary's career, his dad had a project on the go. When the VHS video recorders first came out, and they were quite big things then, we weren't a well-off family, but my dad actually bought one, and then he videoed every athletics meeting that was on. This was at a time when athletics was on every week over the summer. Three-hour programmes at a time. This was a lot of material, but Gary's dad would record hours on end. And we'd got boxes. It was only really when he passed away, we found all these VHS tapes up in my dad's loft. You know, my dad, bless him, in his wisdom, had, um, had taped every one of our races. So from international meetings to club races. And I've spent hours and hours now going through them and putting some of mine and Kathy's races from VHS onto digital so that our children have actually seen us run. In the build-up to the 1980 Moscow Olympics, Gary was struggling to find enough time to train. I had to make a decision, do I go into teaching or do I have a year out and just fully commit to the Olympic trials? And I decided to go and take up the teaching role, which probably I do regret now because I think that sort of ruined my chances and I messed up in the trials. So I missed out on Moscow. A couple of years later, Gary was on track for a solid performance in the Commonwealth Games. And most athletes, middle distance athletes, up to 1,500 maybe, they'll always tell you stories about them falling in a, in a race. You know, you get tripped and you go down and you try and bounce back up. This was Gary's. And that was the semi-final of the Commonwealth Games in Brisbane. And that's a big regret because I went there ranked number one. So, you know, on times. This was going to be my games to win a try and win an individual medal. And then I, I went and done over in the semi-finals. After a couple of disappointments, 1984 came along. Gary was on Team GB's relay team, along with Chris Akabusi, Todd Bennett and Philip Brown for the Los Angeles Olympics. But first, he had to get someone to cover his lessons. Leading up to the Olympics and any big events that went out, I had to ask for, for time off school and lessons still had to be taught so there was a payback so whenever I went abroad in a pre-olympic training camp or races leading up to the Olympics I had to go around the staff room and people who had covered my lesson I had to make sure I brought them back some duty-free cigarettes or duty-free <laughs> duty-free booze they arrived in LA it was a different world the Olympic Village was like one big holiday camp the restaurants you could eat any meal you wanted 24 7 we had the Beach Boys come into the camp. We had Lionel Richie singing at the closing ceremony. We stayed in San Diego as a holding camp, which was fantastic. But this wasn't a getaway a luxury resort. There was work to be done and the pressure was on. People say a relay maybe, you don't have as much pressure as you do as an individual event, which I, I take that on board, but you also have the added pressure that you don't uh, sort of let your teammates down. If you're going to win a medal, all four athletes have got to perform at their best possible shape on that day. There were so many factors that had to align in order for that to happen. But as Gary walked into the stadium, 
He wasn't focused on winning anything. He was simply absorbing the experience. The Coliseum, the LA Coliseum, was absolutely run. Now, all I can imagine is just like playing at Wembley, you know, in full of, you know, 80,000. But then the stage fright kicked in. No matter how prepared you are, you take your tracksuit off and it's your turn to run and you just, you feel as if you can't even run 10 metres, not alone, full 400 metres. The 4x400 relay race itself was a complete blur. Gary Cook on the second leg for Great Britain. Cook's come through to fourth place, a good leg by Gary Cook. But it felt quick. Great Britain to silver, what a run! What a relay! And what a quarter this British team is. They run for each other, they're all such good friends. When it had finished, Gary couldn't believe they'd won a silver medal. We've got the individual times now, they are approximate. Gary Cook, 44.6. Impressive all-round, Eddie. That was some run. We were just overjoyed, really, because it wasn't really expected. And I think that's the qualities of athletics, really. You can get people who wear on the day and win medals, and I think that's what makes the sport so interesting. You know, we came away with this silver, and, yeah, it was a case of, is this real? We did our embarrassing lap of honour, although we didn't win, but no regrets. A well-deserved lap of honour, nonetheless. Gary has one word of advice for this year's Team GB. Try and absorb as much in as you possibly can. What I find most interesting about Gary's story is how unorthodox his rise to success was. He expresses regret about not being able to train to his full capacity for the 1980 Olympic Games. He also expresses regret about losing his footing during what was meant to be his moment of triumph at the Commonwealth Games. But these events played a role in his eventual glory, a silver medal at the 1984 Olympics. About this, Gary certainly has no regrets. As I reflect on his story, I can't help thinking about how differently these events could have turned out. Just like his wife Kathy, Gary had support and encouragement from an early age. Also like his wife Kathy, he has dedicated his career to being that support for others who might pursue similar achievements to his own. Life is unpredictable and nowhere is this seen more clearly than through sport. Events often do not meet expectations and this can be a cause for regret. If you want to keep in touch with the show, and be the first to find out what's coming up next, go to our website, www.ourvoicespodcast.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. The links are in the show notes. And if you haven't already, give us a quick follow in your favourite podcast app. See you for another incredible story next week.